This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. Shifts in Broadway and the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we currently are today, uh, the president of the United States has just said that if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. You can debate that as you so choose. There's been a march on Broadway. Uh, Scott Rudin, one of, a, a well-known Broadway producer, has been basically outed. Uh, Actors Equity has met and uh, given, um, has met several demands and opened doors for several demands that have been made by the community as a whole. Um, and in-person dance classes have started to happen again at both uh, at several um, studio spaces in the city, BDC and Steps being the two notable ones. Uh, so the industry is looking towards, oh, and we've also are allowed to have in-person uh, venue performances up to 33% or 100 people. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> things um, are shifting and it feels like quite rapidly. It fe- You know why? Because yeah. it feels like it's that, it's that thing of like, everyone's like, oh, like that... <laughs> I always love this phrase when people are like, oh, that person or that thing is an overnight success. And my dad would always be like, it's an overnight success because you don't see the years and years and years of work people have been putting into it. And I feel like that's kind of just like how this week feels, right? Yes. All of a sudden, like demands are being met at Equity and other unions that March worked, right? All of a sudden, the CDC and the administration are saying like, um, outdoors, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. And, you know, outdoors, sorry, outdoors, outdoors, outdoors. Oh, yes. Outdoors. Fact, fact check say. me, fact check me. Don't, yes, don't they believe say me. Outdoors, they <laughs> say outdoors, but they did, they did also say like, if you're indoors with, and you're vaccinated, but you're with people who are not, you no longer need to wear a mask or stay um, six feet apart, which is also very interesting as someone who like went back to school, right? Like working and as a dance teacher, obviously like we're going to still continue to keep everyone masked because that's just like, we got to also like, you know, we're dealing with children and children are not completely yet cleared all the way or right. Exactly. And also it's like, we just want to set a good example for the kids. Right. Like anyway, that's a whole separate conversation, but um, so like that's happening all of a sudden, which is exciting. Again, it's nervous. And I urge everyone to like read into where the COVID stuff is concerned. Like, please, please, please read into it. Be very specific what you read. I highly recommend the CDC actual yes. guidelines and also like take it what you will. I mean, I live in New York City. I'm in New York City currently. Um, I'm thinking maybe if I want to just like take a walk one day to the park that maybe I you know, will have my mask with me, but won't wear it as I'm just like walking. But if I'm um, all of a sudden, like if I'm in Times Square and there's a ton of people, I'd wear a mask, you know? So like, and that's kind of how I was, I was at uh, filming something. And as I was walking down the streets, if there was like one or two people, I wasn't too concerned. I would like have it around my chin, but like if it was very congested, I'd throw a mask up. But generally speaking, we were just walking down a sidewalk where there are a couple people. I wasn't too concerned with wearing my mask. Yeah. And um, I mean, like I'll say, this is kind of going off topic, but like I'll say that at the beginning of, of the pandemic last year, like March, 
like March, 2020, when things were starting to get weird and they were starting to talk about masks, like I would still like go take walks, especially when we started the lockdown. Like I would still like, I would still go take walks and have a mask like in my bag, but not wear it because I was like, well, I'm not around people, you know? Oh yeah. Um, anyway, and, moving forward. Well, the reason why we bring these up, sorry, it's important that we bring these up because like the arts industry is directly affected by the pandemic. Yes. And I would even say like, even though filming, at least in, I mean, I know in LA or in, and around, around the country, around the world as well, but I'm going to talk from being in New York and seeing it and also literally living across the street from a, um, film studio, a soundstage, um, that, you know, even though that's been going on since January, they've been allowed to start filming again, um, or they were allowed in the fall, but it picked up in January. It has skyrocketed in the past couple of weeks, you know, like my, you know, my brother's an actor and he's like, all of a sudden there's like a ton of things I need to submit for and a ton of auditions. And like, so that it's like all picking up again. So it's it's all picking up again. And we're, we're, I don't want to say the words we're back, but we are on the way to back. Yeah. And in light of that, just certain things have to be addressed. I think the, the community as a whole, we want to come back and we want to be back, but we don't want to come back in the same way that we were before with the same issues and problems um, being created. Or, or upholding the same issues that were yeah. being created. And I also I also want to, you know, we say all this to also recognize, like, all of a sudden there's a lot happening. And this is because people have been putting in the work. Like, obviously, we know yes. people have been putting in the work with COVID. But even so, like, productions are able to pick up because people have been putting in the work on, like, how do we keep a set safe? How are we able, you know, and now we can yes. expand. And people are, and like, Things are happening in the theater industry because people said enough is enough and have been planning a very specific march and what that needs to look like and specifically curating what their demands are and what it looks like, you know? So, you know, this is all to say that like this did not occur overnight, but we're excited to talk about what seems like it all happened overnight. Yes. So I think we should start with, so we can get off of the subject of him, is Scott Rudin. Yeah. Um, so won't get into the uh, the extreme details, but overall, Scott Rudin is a Broadway producer that has been in the business for several. Well, decades. he's not only Broadway. I mean, I feel like movies he's too. Most yeah, movies as well. I feel like he's most well known for his Broadway work, and because he's based in New York, but also definitely, definitely movies. Yes. Uh, so is essentially is a big producer. Let's say let's that's say that he's a big producer that has worked on several projects and his behavior across the board has been called into question mm-hmm. and everything from uh lewd and racist comments to just i will leave the articles for you to read like this is just yeah. not a not a good person and i will say is i've you know i've talked to you know i've been one removed from people who have worked for him Um, And I've heard from the people who've worked from him directly, um, some of the crazy things that they were asked of them to do when they worked for him. So the stories are accurate. Yeah. Also, really quick, if you're like, if you're like, I don't get it, I've never heard of him. I'm like confused. And you're reading the articles and you're like, I don't understand, though. 
highly, highly, highly recommend go watch the movie, The Assistant. It came out last year. It's with Julia Gardner from um, Ozarks and she's incredible in it. And, you know, it's based off of a no-named, quote unquote, imaginary high ranking producer in New York. It's based off of Scott Rudin. If you want to understand what it means to work in that office, go watch that movie. And the, yeah, like I, I've had friends that worked for him or, you know, and it's just, or like have gotten caught in that world when it, it's just like a lot of just demeaning behavior. And I wish that I could say he's the only person that I know of that's like that. He is not. Um, and so essentially his, his shit got called out. Um, and at first the talks were like, oh, he's stepping back. And everyone was like, well, what does stepping back mean? Um, he's resigned from the Broadway League. And he is not the big, the big one that really brought attention for me is the uh, Broadway NYC Pops, which is Broadway theaters opening back up to allow for pop-up concerts from Broadway artists. Um, I actually watched one on Instagram uh, last week or week before last um, of Amber Mon, one of my favorite artists. But, you know, it was, again, the, it was her, a piano and an amazing concert. But, you know, the next day it was like, Scott Rudin this. And I was like, oh, God, you know, I don't want some of my favorite artists to, one, not have a chance to make a paycheck, but also not have a chance to, like, share their art again, which a lot of us have not been able to do in a year, um, damn near longer, uh, because of he being one of the producers. So him taking a step back and the, the community as a whole simply saying that we don't want to accept what we had before we don't we're not going to allow you to talk to us any kind of way make ridiculous demands of us any kind of way um and a trigger of that is the broadway tony award winner uh karen oliva yeah she won a tony award for uh not the most recent revival is it yeah not the most recent actually was he who did the most recent revival with that story that wasn't scott rudin was it um, no, it was, no, that was uh, it, had, it had issues on its own due to, um, the guy from Carousel and, and American New York City Ballet and all those. Yeah, 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 that one. Sorry, um, not the most recent West Side Story revival, but Karen Olivo won for the previous one that Linda Muel Miranda worked on, where they she added, also, uh, yeah, Spanish. she also was the original Vanessa in In the Heights. Yes, um, she was also in the musical Brooklyn, a little small one that you guys probably don't know about. Um, but she won her Tony Award for playing Anita beautiful talent and she was currently before the shutdown playing the lead in Moulin Rouge mm-hmm. um, to critical acclaim like probably like nominated for a Tony and all the set the third and she came out uh, and made the statement that I wouldn't be returning to Broadway unless demands were met yeah. unless things changed um, and again this is a Tony award winner who was a lead currently on Broadway making a very large paycheck, very public. And she just said, I, until things change, I don't, I'm not returning. My, like my bank account and my conscience don't have to be the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and, and, you know, something that was so great about hers was because there's a lot of talk and a lot of stuff I saw, and I, I don't want to harp on this subject, but I do want to say this. There's a lot of stuff floating around social media about, Oh, especially with New York Pops. If you're a New York Pops, you need to quit that job right now. Like you're going to give money to a scumbag. Like if you're in one of his shows, you need to leave or you shouldn't take any auditions until he's out. And I sat there and I looked at these comments 
that were made by people who work a lot. Not not like big names, not Karen Olivio, not, you know, not Hugh Jackman, but people who consecutively work. Yep. And I've never had to work a day job in their life. And I just sat there and I said, I think that's so unfair, though, for it to fall on the responsibility of the no name who's trying to pers- pursue their career and try- and never gets cast in anything and could potentially get cast in anyone. What makes the difference is when you have someone with clout actually fucking do something and say something. And then there's a whole thing like it shouldn't have been. It also shouldn't have been on Karen Olivio, Olivio, you know, who's a woman of color to do it. Yes. And, well, and, and, you know, she was the first one with any sort of clout to do something. And it also like shouldn't have been on her shoulders. And this is where I'm going to actually share another story. And this is and slightly going backwards to come forward. Hopefully this was a conversation that a lot of us artists had to have during the pandemic. Well, we had it before the pandemic for certain. And then during the pandemic, there's a young lady, a uh, beautiful singer. She has a cabaret license and all that wonderful things like that. But Pandemic hit, she was not booked. She was booked on two musicals, canceled. So there was a local venue that was having, outside venue, that was having um, artists come in, put on a show, like put on a concert, all on them. They had to pay, they had to get their own musicians. They had to get their own set list. Like you were mounting everything on your own. The pay for the one night was $300. Okay. Here's the thing about it for anyone that has ever put a concert together. That is nothing. Your, your, your musicians, everyone is going to cost more money. And so the pay was $300 and I think a percentage of the door, something like that. Did she want to take this gig? No. Did she have bills due? Yes. So, and this was during that moment where the government was not our current president and she was they were not getting the assistance that she needed to cover her bills so she had to take a gig that was that underpaid her that like had a lot of issues and things like that so a lot of artists had to make that sacrifice to survive mm-hmm. and it's the same thing when it like current currently a lot of artists even on broadway have to make that decision on a regular basis. We spoke about this on our website uh, when we spoke of the most recent revival of West Side Story. There is a known, I guess we should say allegedly, sex offender that's in the show. Do you now give up your Broadway debut? Do you now give up a steady paycheck for the next couple of months? Oh, yeah. I mean, this we, yeah, we have so, talked about, yeah, it's not, we had talked about this exactly in our West Side Story episode where we said the same thing where we were like, it is not fair to, I mean, men as well, but in in this case of this, specifically yes. women, um, to go, I don't think I can accept this show, this paycheck, because the company hired a, um, you know, wasn't convicted, but like charged sex offender. Right. Um, it's not, and that's just how I, anyway, I want to steer away from this because I could like go on my soapbox about this, but yeah. I just, the so- point is, I just need to say it. And like, it took the big names. And because, and the reason, again, the reason I do want to say why we bring this up, because again, we could definitely get very soapboxy about it. The, the small people, the middle management, if you will, has always been saying that these things need to change. Yeah. But what has happened recently, which is why we've gotten the changes that we do have, which I'm going to mention here in a second, is Everyone got together. There were clear things that they wanted done. 
and they asked for them under equity uh, for from Actors Equity and the Broadway League. Mm-hmm. Um, and then specifically, we're hearing back. We've heard back from Actors Equity, and I'm sure the Broadway League will hear back from soon on some of their demands. But if me and Danielle can tell you this as working with several regional theaters and off-Broadway theaters and companies in New York City. What happens at Broadway trickles down to everywhere else. Yeah. So it is good to see it at the top so that it can be called and brought to light elsewhere. Um, and my thing with it is because we have these bigger names speaking out and standing out saying that they no longer want to be want to be privy to this. The little guys don't. The little guys don't have to make those decisions yes. because they're they're asking their producers and their directors and their choreographers and and executive producers and the Broadway League to not compromise them, to not put them in those positions where they have to make that. Um, so the it's called I'm I want to I don't think this is the official name, but the unofficial name is the Black Theater Matters Bill, um, and it has been passed. So some of the things that were asked for. Um, are issues, I'm going to read all of them and then we can address them. Uh, Issues that date back to 1930s have the opportunity to be addressed. Work safety has a chance to be addressed. Um, We have a a new way to honor deceased members of Actors' Equity. A digital green book is on the table to help guide our marginalized members. We have uh, more amplification of the native lands taken from our First Nation members. There are paths to memberships, healthcare, work options for more than just artists. We're talking about spouses of artists. Um, One of the big deals was that a major Broadway artist, a major part of the Broadway community passed away because of COVID and his wife was just kind of left on their own, you know? So that's a huge thing for a lot of people. Uh, Most importantly, I'm reading the article again, we have a window for more equitable and fiscal safe, sustainable union. Now it's time to figure out uh, the flow of these things integrate healing for actors' equity. Because something that, like, was not always popularized, um, sorry, trains in the back, was that sometimes you could report a company to actors' equity and their response would be, we can report them, but just know it can make things worse. Yeah. So basically, like, your stereotypical like work abuse environment, you know? Um, and so I think the biggest thing that came out of this, again, I apologize because I feel like we were so jumbled in the, in the beginning of the episode, but we bring all these moments to light to talk about what has come from it, right? Is that um, their demands were taken seriously. And I think what the people who participated in creating this bill and the march did well was being very clear and specific about what they wanted. It wasn't just like, you need to fix things, but it was like, here are things that you can start with and things that like are doable right away. And I want to mention one more thing. There's one more big thing that I I will definitely address, but that's been also passed. Uh, Big win for, uh, sorry, reading the article again. This one's actually from Actors' Equity. A big win for immigrant performers as actor, Actors' Equity removes green card restrictions. Yes, I saw that. Um, and the reason why that that is important is because when we say the word immigrant, people's mind go to different places. The first time I realized the complications between green cards and Actors' Equity was when I met um, a friend of mine from Canada, who's a fabulous mm-hmm. dancer. And we were on a show together and it was, uh, we were, it was an equity showcase contract. And so 
she was on she's a part of Canadian equity, like been in the union for years, got to New York and they were like, ooh, you're not equity. She's like, what do you mean I'm not equity? Well, you're under a green card. So how can you be American equity? And she was like, well, I have Canadian equity. Does it not transfer over? Yeah, no, you got to speak with Canadian equity about that. So like basically it did not get worked out until she got someone to pay her into American equity to buy her equity card here in America, all because of green card restrictions. And so there are so many performers that like, again, worked for years on cruise ships that are on the West end and aren't the big name people, you know, aren't the star vehicle coming in out of West end, but the smaller people, you know, the people that are in supporting roles, you know, people that have full on Lawrence Olivier awards, but aren't, you know, big, huge names outside of the theater community. They couldn't come over and perform because of green card issues. Or they couldn't do exchange visas. So like when that's, when the fact that they were very clear and concise about something that they clearly want to change, that makes a difference. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. And some other great things was like, that came out of all this was like, so Scott Rudin, um, he did resign as in like pulled his name off of all Broadway and theater projects. The Broadway league um, fired him. And um, even a uh, one of, you know, the film thing is the next big push, but I will say a 24, the production company, they have officially removed him from all projects as well, which is huge. And that doesn't surprise me because a 24 is real good about pushing indie movies and they do not have time for his ridiculous. No. And so I just think that like what we've seen through all of this pain and all this work and all this like craziness is that what worked was a group of people came together and said, what is that? it that we want that they could Uh actually do right now what is doable right now so that we can move forward because at the end of the day too even those who are on social media saying like oh no one should take a job but until like everything is fixed they also need a job right like they also need a job too so at the end of the day it's like these are the things these are the starting points that could really truly change a lot though and it's like if you accepted these starting points so quickly then that shows me that you felt the effects yes and that to me and it the thing is that i needed to be in every aspect of the industry and that's the part that i'm excited for is because like i say this as an african-american man i can't tell you i've been in musicals before where i don't have a, a hair and makeup person that understands my hair. So I have to go figure it out. But like the fact that like in contracts now, I don't look crazy. And this is a huge thing. Trust me, look on Hamilton hair scandals. If you want to know more about this and the whole Mm -hmm. thing, there've been several articles about many women of color talking about this in different aspects. Um, But the fact that like now I can put in my contract, I need someone that understands my textured hair before they ask me to do this to my hair. The fact that, you know, we can have, the fact that like we can put these protection in place so that these new artists that we have graduating that want to go on tour can get seen by a physical therapist every week. They're not just dancing and throwing their bodies around at 22 year olds. And then at 28, they can't dance anymore from sustaining an injury from doing cats on a concrete floor, you know, eight times a week, you know? So that's what we're meaning. Like essentially, we're asking the unions and the producers and the Broadway leagues to step up and be the protection that we need in particular after seeing a time where they couldn't do anything for us. I think that was the thing about it. The big exposure for the pandemic when it came to the Broadway league is that the Broadway league and actors actually is that you guys 
didn't have any way of protecting us from these type of things, you know? And so there are other things and procedures that need to be put in place and the work is not done. No, I think you have to put a spotlight on what work can actually be done in a timely manner and the benefits from it. You know, because one of the bigger arguments uh, that I'm still interested to see how it boils down, the Apollo Theater, well-known American theater for years, they want it to be the 45th Broadway house, but it's always been stonewalled as not being allowed to, not being able to allow to join. Right. So the whole thing about that is like Broadway theaters are Broadway theaters because of two things. One is the size. They have to reach a certain capacity minimum. Um, The other is they have to literally be off of Broadway, like the street. Um, And so, you know, the Apollo theater is in Harlem. However, it is such a historic and iconic building that, and, and how awesome would it be to have, like, specific shows, specific musicals play there and, like, be housed there? And, well, what caused the controversy is that there are a couple Broadway houses that aren't on Broadway. They're relative to the theater district, but they're, like, they're the opposite direction. Like, they're going towards the East River, not the wet, not the... Uh, oh, Jersey. yeah, there are a couple that are, like, closer and to, so, like, yeah. Like, yeah, people are like, right. and I get, it. I get like, and it's so the, closer than being in Harlem. However, and so that's well, and that's the thing about it. A lot of people may or may not know this. There's only three Broadway owners. There are three, yeah, organizations that own all Broadway houses. If they include the Apollo, there would be a fourth that just so happens to not be white. Because <laughs> yeah. currently, all the all three there's the Nederland there. Uh, the Schubert, and then there's the oh my god, it's like three people's names put together. Jaja, Jama. Oh yeah, I don't know how something to or other. It starts with a J. There's like an I and a Y in yeah, it. Like essentially, like the owner took his three kids' names and put it together. So I never remember Jama. <laughs> but yeah. again, so that's also the thing about it. The the gatekeepers if you will for broadway houses are owned by are headed by three white men and so there's a lot of it i again i'm with danielle can you imagine the apollo theater having the motown musical or you know or so cool or even like just iconic musicals from the past like Like, uh, please give me like could you imagine if dream girls played there or like jelly's last jam at the apollo come on there would just be some really, I think there's like some really, really awesome opportunities there to continue to amplify every single thing we've been talking about for the past year, almost year and a half. And so that, so, but again, it's little moments and things like that where it's important to, to, to look at where we're going, where we're coming from and how we can grow, grow and change things, you know, because, mm-hmm. before, and granted, I, I definitely know the hesitance of adding a, a fourth Broadway house and the complications and red tape of that. But this now is the time to address that complications and red tape <laughs> that comes with adding another Broadway theater, because that's the thing. Like I know plenty of musicals that are wonderful and great, but they can't get a Broadway space because there is no space. Broadway theater. Exactly. That's a real thing too. Through the roof. I know, I know uh, Invisible Thread 
Secret Garden. Oh my God, I was so excited for that Secret Garden revival. It was like Eden Espinosa. No, that was Lemperga. It was it was Amber Iman, Eden Espinosa, and like two other big like it was gonna be a huge revival of Secret Garden. And yeah. they could not get a space. Like done pre-rehearsal, did out of town, started doing out-of-town workshops, and they could not get a Broadway space, so it kind of faded into the abyss. And that's just the one that I know of. Like yeah. so there are numerous times where again because the gatekeepers are who they are, you know, that the variety has been lacked on Broadway or, you know, the amount of shows here or there or certain revivals being overly done. You know, like we, all my sons has been revived. I don't know how many times on Broadway, you know? So it's one of those things of like, with these, with the facts they're willing to sit down at the table and hear these claims it lets us know that they're ready for the changes that could save our industry. Yeah. I think that it, you know, obviously there's a ton of work that has to still be done. I think it's an amazing starting point. And I think it's just like, when you are feeling like, why are we still, why are we doing another March? Right. Why are we, uh, why are, why am I, you know, putting my name on this petition to, for this bill for my union? Like, why am I doing this thing? It doesn't matter. It does matter. And I think like, here's a very clear example and a small example out of, you know, what's been happening in in the world Mm -hmm. and specifically our country in the past um, year, obviously longer, but we're highlighting the pandemic here. Um, But that things are getting done and things can change. And, you know, I think it's important that we, you know, highlight that on here too because we agree with them and we see them happening um i also sorry oh i I was gonna say i also do want to say though however like i'm not trying to call anyone out but i did also see someone post on social media post the broadway march like oh those who weren't out here like we see you or like those who came out for the march but you've never said anything else and you won't put your name on a petition or like or like walk away from a job, like we see you. And I also think that that's unfair because you don't know what people are doing on their own or behind the scenes or their circumstances. Like Tony said, like, so all of a sudden I'm supposed to say no to a job. And when I have to pay my bills and feed my family, because like the higher ups in the world hired this like shithead, why is that my problem? And why is that my fault? Like, and so I think like my whole point behind wanting to talk about this is like, let's recognize the work that's gotten done quote unquote so quickly. Right. Cause it wasn't so quickly, right. but let's also recognize that like the marches are working, the petitions are working and it's also okay. If you want to do the work on your own from your house or your apartment, it's okay. If you don't feel comfortable going out yet. And right. And, and if someone's trying to tell you like, we see you, you're not doing enough. Like that's also a bullying tactic. So like not well, okay. And I, one, it makes me think of like, um, and I always say this, we, I don't know if we talked about this on air at the beginning of the episode, but it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Exactly. And it's one, to me, it's one of those things of like, I, because of who I am, I am not a protester. I, I am not a marcher. I'm not a go out to a march. I have just never been comfortable with that one whole pandemic. Two, as a child, I had anxiety and asthma attacks, large overcrowds, like whole thing for me. That is not me. I am a computer nerd. So calling your senator, 
oh, I have a Google speed dial set up. So I'm the epitome of calling your senators and leaving messages and like writing letters. Mm-hmm. That is me. I have said, oh my God, the height of the pandemic. I was, I was calling, you know, into the governor's office 20 times within an hour. Um, I think, I think it's important as, and again, I, I feel as artists, we should definitely recognize this. There's different kinds of art and there's different kind of protesters and there's different kind of ways to fight up and stand for people. And one of those big things for me has always been education. A lot of people talk about what are we leaving for our children? And I get angry, I go, yeah, what are we leaving? I'm in a classroom looking at these little monsters every day. I know how we're talking to them. I know what we're teaching them because I am actively there. I no longer accept the excuse of people being like, that's bad for our children. I talk to the children, they don't care. Yeah. So I'm one of those people being like, how are you doing it in your world? in your environment another thing for me and i i kind of start to feel this way prior to the pandemic but after most recently working a gig i no longer want to be the only minority on the other side of the table and when i say the other side of the table i mean non-performing side Mm -hmm. director choreographer lighting designer set sound you just need one more person at least like come on it's a it's a really easy ask. And like Danielle can tell you there have been players I'm not sure she's been the only, I know she has. You're the only woman on the other side of the table and it's all men. Like mm-hmm. I'm just, and I've been that way where it's like all yeah. women, I'm the only man. I'm the only black guy. I'm the only person in the South. I'm only Native American, only Native United States person. I'm not trying to say Native. I'm not trying to say Indigenous people, just Native American, Native to the country. Um but like, there have just been moments where I've been caught where I'm like, I magically become the voice for an entire group of people. And I, my, anxi- my anxiety goes through the roof because I'm like, what if I'm doing yeah. this service to blah, blah, blah. When in reality, I just want to create art that I believe in. And I don't want to get pigeonholed into the characters black and they're saying this and they look at me and be like, would that character say that? How did I become default for that? You know, yeah. and that's, so I made that decision for, me, for myself as I continue to direct and choreograph where it's like, hey, I need to know who's all working on this project. That matters to me. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, I guess we haven't really talked about this, but like you, um, when you're getting ready to choreograph or direct something, they're like, they're interviews kind of, but sometimes they're mostly just like conversations to see if we're all going to work well together is really what it is. And so a lot of times in those conversations, I bring that up now, even virtually as I've been working on projects, hi, who's all here? And sometimes yeah. it's like, actually, you're the director, you hire whoever you want. Great, it's gonna be a full rainbow of the entire spectrum over here. You know, so those are, those where I go, when you go, I see you, you don't, you don't know what that person's doing. One, you just don't. But I also think there are a lot of different ways that like, you can do that. You know, you can be like, I know plenty of people that are very publicly quiet, but they're the note takers. They're the yeah. ones, to, you know, they're the ones emailing the receipts being like, actually, they sent this back in 2020. Absolutely. Or, you know, this is all the wonderful things they're actually, they actually are doing to make ourselves better. They just don't publicly state it. So I don't, as we see more accomplishments, more wins, more things like that happening out there in the world, don't, again, don't think they happened overnight. People have been working on this for a very long time. One. Yeah. Two, don't feel bad if you feel like we have so much more work to go. That is how activism works. Yeah. You just get a little and bit it's further it's always going to be that way. And I think like the thing with that too is like, don't feel bad if you feel like there's a lot more work to go. 
but also it's okay to celebrate the small wins because yes. those are a big deal. The small wins are a big deal and it's absolutely okay to do that as well. And also, and I will say, find different, find different ways for yourself. Find different ways for yourself to be the change that you want in just your small environment. And I know Danielle and I have talked about this, I think previously on another episode, but like when I come to a dance style that I don't teach, I try to bring people in that I like bring people in that understand it or from that culture. And I get it. We're working with school budgets and tight time. So a lot of times there isn't enough money to bring someone in to set an entire piece, but I can get them in for a workshop. I can get them in to teach a 16 count, you know, fun little combo. And I can have them learn about it from people. And so that's really important. Like those are ways that I am changing and diversifying for myself and the people that I interact with. And so as, as we, and we're going to talk about this in a future episode, but like, as we start rolling into studios and summer programs, opening back up and things like that, there are small changes that you can make that are just, just within your own personality or with your own career path, whether you're in one of the major cities like us or not, you know, that like celebrate the wins do a little bit more and then celebrate that win too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that like, it's really important for us to take a step back and recognize everything that's happened recently and say it. And yeah, like let's all celebrate what's happened and let's continue to keep going. And let's um, like Tony said, like let's all also give, and again, I feel like we're going to talk about this kind of in a future episode, um, not in the same way, but let's all give each other some grace. Let people choose to, be advocates in the way that works well for them so that they can actually make a difference. Um, And that's how we're going to continue to see these changes and the people leaving the industry and the other people coming in and the differences in the union. Um, That's how we're going to continue to do these. Um, I think, you know, like we're not going to harp on the whole Scott Rudin thing and everything. If, you know, there are other major changes or exciting mm-hmm. I don't know why excited exciting exciting to me means like he gets blacklisted but like ah, if only. things that uh. happen you know maybe within like Hollywood um the Hollywood world or just in general you know we'll continue to update you guys on that you can do it on your own but um you know because at first I was like Tony like do we even really need to talk about it like it's all over the news like is it really um, like do we do we do we need to be like another voice talking about this yeah. but I do think it's important because I think it's important that like we're not on Broadway, but we see, we see what's going on and we feel it. And um, just reminding people what can change, what has changed, and you can still be an advocate in your own way. Well, one, because I, I, for me, and we did bring up this question of should we, one, I know who me and Danielle are and we advocate for these things for our students constantly. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good chance for us to voice our opinions on that. But also like, Danielle and I are choreo. Like we said, we are choreographers living here in the city, and Danielle and I both have worked on projects. You know where yeah. where those things have actively affected us, or we Absolutely. submitted to things where you know we're playing a numbers games instead of just the best artists, the talent that that should be showcased just being showcased. You know, yeah. Um, I think those are all things that can't come into question. So I definitely feel like we should address it. And like, I'm with Danielle. Some things come up, we'll mention them um, as we always do, but I don't, I'm just not one for giving attackers um, a platform. So that's why, like I said, I'll, Scott Rudin, you fucked up. We're tired of seeing you. Goodbye. 
you know? Yeah. And I agree with that. There's no reason to harp on him again. Go read the articles, watch the movie, assist the assistant. Um, and hopefully, you know, more companies like A24 file suit where he is concerned. Um, With that being said, that brings us to our tip of the week. Um, and I specifically, when I think about our, the tip of the week, I really want to say, and we're, we've talked about it in different forms, but this time around, I really want to say, like, give great, I don't want to say give grace, hold on to those wonderful healthy things that you did during the pandemic even if they didn't feel healthy so like something that i know we as a world constantly did during the pandemic during the height of the pandemic because it's still not over for people but during the height of the pandemic was constantly checking in on yourself mm-hmm. constantly checking in on those around you like how are you feeling today like how are you actually feeling today you know I got off the sofa. I did it. That's all. You know, like I walked to the mailbox today. Like, I think we learned, I hope that we learned to take better care of ourselves personally and the people around us. And I would love as like things get, have gotten better here in America, as far as the pandemic goes, I hope we continue to do that. Like, I love the amount of just self-care and check-ins that were happening so that would be my my tip of the week is that like let's not lose that that patience for our kids, our spouses, our coworkers just because we're about to be face to face. You know, yeah. the same grace we gave them over internet connections, let's let's have that same grace when we're meeting face to face or students, you know, as we push and I say this to two teachers, as we push towards the end of the school year, have grace with us. It's been a long year for everyone, you know, so just have, take care, continue to take care and check in would be my tip. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually our next episode is going to have a lot to do with schools, reopening studios, competitions, restarting summer programs, conservatories, the whole kit and caboodle and about like what that means after essentially having a year or more than a year off. So, um, Yeah, take what Tony said and really hold that, you guys. And and please, please, please come back next week as we dive into that more. Um, I was kind of going to say something along the same sign, along the same lines. Obviously, I'm super excited to dive into this topic. Um, But I would say, and I'll do a shameless plug here too. Um, So we talked about this before the pandemic. We talked about certain aspects of this during the beginning of the pandemic. don't like post your shit. I mean, not don't, let me restart. Post your shit on social media, just do it. So I decided in the latter end of the pandemic, if that's what you want to call it, um, toward the end of this, um, you know, winter that I finally was ready to choreograph a piece. And I wanted to take everything I thought about in the past year and put that into a piece and what that meant. And so it is, on my Instagram. Um, I posted a preview today on the point your toes. We're going to post the whole video soon. And it is by no means perfect, right? I have dancers who had to dance in their tiny spaces in their living rooms, right? With like furniture, but, and the lighting's not perfect. And we rehearsed on Zoom when we could, right? But like, that's the point, right? The Mm -hmm. point of that piece is that the point of that piece is that it's not perfect, is that we went through this time and we're able to connect. And I personally, myself been 
trying to push myself on my personal social media to post more videos of me dancing and in my classroom and stuff I'm teaching the kids and it's not perfect. And I, I push others to do the same because I was always like, Oh, if it's not going to be like show ready, if it's not a performance, I can't post it. And nope. Like as a choreographer, like I want to show you my work and my dancing. And that, um, I think that's really, really important. Um, and this is going to kind of play into what we talk about next week, but post your stuff, post your stuff. I'm pushing Mm -hmm. myself to do it. I recommend you do it. It doesn't need to be perfect. Don't look at the Instagram algorithm of what am I going to get the most likes or like whatever, just like post your shit. And I'm excited to share this whole piece with you guys um, on Instagram as well. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed on this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. Episodes come out every Thursday. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We are at Point PYT on all social media platforms. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Neil Clangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, The Adventures of an NYC Dance Teacher.